0: Hey there, Second City Hockey listeners, it's Dave Melton here, and before we get to the show, I wanted to let you in on a little secret. All of those ads you just heard, if you want to listen to the show without them, visit SecondCityHockey.com and sign up for either one of our subscription tiers where the perks include ad-free versions of the Musings on Madison podcast.
1: And with the first overall selection in the 2023 NHL Draft... The Chicago Blackhawks are very proud to select from the Regina Pats, the Western Hockey League, Connor Bedard.
0: Welcome in to another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. We're back after a week off. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager for Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at DMelt57. And yeah, with no Hawks games last week, uh, really wasn't much going on. So we decided to take the week off, but we're back. We've got a full room this evening. Before I bring in all my linemates this evening, just want to let you know that if you want to continue uh, supporting our existence on these interwebs, uh, one thing you can do is wherever it is you are listening to this podcast you can leave us a five-star review and uh, say something that is uh, say something nice about us in the reviews would be great as well uh leave us four stars or fewer we'll assume you're a blues fan uh further support you can go visit secondcityhockey.com it's the place for everything we do around these parts any blackhawks news previews and recaps of every game and discussion threads for every game, the season, where you can talk about the Hawks with other black Hawks fans. That website is also where you can support us even more by signing up for exclusive content, such as the prospect reports and other random bits of analysis and commentary and other things that fall out of our mind from time to time. That is $5 a month. For the Corey Crawford tier, ten bucks a month for the Connor Bedard tier, each of which having its own unique perks in each category, and uh, there's still merchandise up at the website. It's not going anywhere. If you wanted to pick some of that up as well, now that all that's out of the way, let's bring in all my line mates this evening. Up first, he's on Twitter at Mill and eighty two, and he is the second city of hockey. What Brandon Boyd is to Incubus, it's Mill Savage.
2: Yo, Incubus is very fucking good live.
0: Well, I they are on the mind because I got an email this morning that they are going on a tour with Coheed and Cambria as the opener. Mm, and it's also I think good I, I think, th- yeah, I think that's going to have to happen, even though I feel like the Allstate is going to be uh, a pretty penny. I think I'm going to have to go to that show.
2: Dave, I feel like you and I may be sharing a beer together at a very high level at that show.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll be, a, I don't, I don't know if they have a 300 level at the Allstate, but we'll, we'll, we'll certainly be in the 200 level. I,
2: I I'll tell you what I, I know I've been very high up, not by cho or by choice. Rather, I had seats in the upstairs, like pretty close. I've gone up to grab a drink. There's some secret levels where there's not big lines and, uh, you can see pretty well from up high for hockey, for wrestling, whatever. So concert might be a little different, but you know what? I think that sounds like a great show. So I'm down to go because both of them, I've seen them both live before. Very, very excellent bands live. Yeah, Great bands in general.
0: Yeah. I don't know when that is, but uh, that's
2: on my list for sure. Also, I, uh, I, that's a very big, like whenever you bring up the, you know, the I am to whatever, it's always a compliment, but Brandon Boyd, very excellent vocalist.
0: Like, so yeah. Appreciate now, that one. I'm surprised I hadn't done that one already. So yeah. So I'm glad we got that one out it. of the way. I'll take now, it. Now I won't mess it up by doing it again. I'll put it as a tally in the W column. There, as you should. Uh, also with us this, this evening, she is not on Twitter, but she's at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR, where she is the Boolean Wall of text. It's Betsy.
3: I was, t- I've taken a break from doing all my um, survivor Watching because it gets if you just watch them all in a row, it gets kind of whatever. And my break show I've decided is Laguna Beach. If you guys remember that show from oh man, back in the day, and Mill was talking before, he was like, uh, how he was stuck in 2009. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I was like, I'm stuck in like 2005.
2: <laughs> you know what, Betsy? I just want to say, I, I'm regularly in that era, so I know I was, I was like,
3: like well. I just was sitting there thinking about like the best. Reality TV came from like the best seasons of Survivor from then, the best seasons of The Challenge or Real World was still on then that kind of stuff, and then Laguna Beach is like like I feel like half scripted like I think they told the kids what to say occasionally, um but yeah, this was like a, such a cultural phenomenon, especially like I assume I don't know about for guys, but definitely for girls, um, yeah. The One of Kelly Clarkson's biggest hits took off up because of this show. <laughs> um, what,
2: what song was it?
3: It's uh, Breakaway? Is that-
2: just, just curious.
3: Oh my god, why am I blanking on...
2: The reason I ask is I had a big conversation about Kelly Clarkson we- at work the other day, but we could talk about that later on here. <laughs> it was a po- very positive one, but just curious. Oh,
3: it- it's since you've been gone. It's the same yeah. where okay. they're oh, in the yeah. limousine and uh, Kristen is like, they start singing it and it's because her, boy, her ex-boyfriend, Steven, like they just kind of broke up and I, they're in the pool tub. Like he's maybe going to hook up with Lauren, but I, that never actually happens because they really kind of are like brothers. I was brother.
2: telling somebody <laughs> at work about how that came on and how Max Martin wrote that and all of these uh, different singers passed on it. I think Beyonce was one of the biggest ones who did. And then it made Kelly Clarkson have, like, number one hit and really push her to the top. So uh, good for her
3: because she rocked that
2: song.
3: Yeah, and it was – so they started playing it, and because her other – I think it was Breakaway was a song before. did pretty well, but, like, you know how the next singles never do – like, they don't do quite as big. Um, And it wasn't her – it wasn't the first one on that album, but – this right after it aired on this episode of laguna beach it was it blew up on the radio afterwards people just started requesting it and requesting it and requesting it if it was one of those like not completely organic moments of pushing a song up but like one of those somebody used it somewhere smartly and it you know might have been
2: might have been been the been big thing for her career
3: yeah i mean it's kind it's kind of like the 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 theme song for um one tree hill like that that had come out like a good i don't know six or seven months before that and then they put it on that was the um whatever um oh my god what is his name one tree hill you guys know what song I'm talking about. I don't want to be anything other than... I
2: don't, but I'm familiar with this Kelly Clarkson yeah. song because of Max Martin. I'm sorry that I'm <laughs> no, hurting out. That, one
3: isn't. <laughs> that one's not uh, Kelly Clarkson. And
2: shout out a data remember who did That's that That's
3: a cover. Gavin DeGraw song. Oh. I don't want to be is what it's called. I was like, I don't know the name of it. I, I know the my.
2: Name. I remember my mom buying this Kelly Clarkson album when it came out. And I was just like, all right, cool.
3: She can, yeah, she can sing. I mean, it.
2: she's a, she has a great voice.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I'll
3: he's been reality TV. He,
2: Sorry. <laughs> I I, dra- I feel like I'm interrupting and dragging this out very long. So.
0: <laughs> That's all right. Well, we don't want to talk about the Hawks yet anyway. So let's, Uh, he's been very patient. So let's bring him in now. He is the, uh, he's on Twitter at Eric Geg And he's the second city hockey pizza correspondent. It's Eric Gagenheimer.
1: I don't even know what to say at this point. <laughs> I'm just <laughs>
0: You weren't <laughs> expecting so much Kelly Clarkson discussion this evening, were you? I wasn't. No, I was not.
1: Although Peace. I feel like I keep seeing jokes about the Dawson's Creek theme song. Um, so Which I guess one, that's the one, sort of the original
3: one or the... Yeah, the,
1: the Shout powerful. out,
2: Charlie Conway.
0: <laughs> yes, yes.
3: Listen, Listen yeah. Joshua Jackson was one of the it boys. Yo,
2: Pacey like, was sleeping with his teacher. Like, come on.
3: Yes, He's a top but, Canadian. But that's not why... Nobody liked Pacey when he was doing that. It was when he had the crush on Joey in season one and everybody was like, oh, they should be together. They have way more chemistry than uh, with Dawson because he's like. And then
2: Katie after. Holmes married Tom Cruise. And yeah,
3: that came later.
2: You know what? Life is fucking crazy.
3: And then she escaped that cult. So that was weird. Good for her. I
2: know. Shout out Katie. <laughs> Sorry, Holmes, Eric. <laughs> Eric, you're All
3: right, I'm just
2: going to mute myself. Go ahead, Eric.
1: <laughs> go ahead, Dave. I have nothing else to say. No,
0: I, well, I was I was waiting for you, <laughs> Eric. I didn't know if you had any anything else you wanted to talk about.
1: <laughs> uh, nothing really to toss into that pot. Okay. Well,
2: that's that's. Good, I will Eric. be inviting Eric onto my new punk rock podcast and giving him a whole sixty minutes. <laughs> hey, there we go.
0: All right. Yeah, that'll work for everyone involved. Um, well, I guess that means we do need to talk about uh the, the reason we're all well gathered in this space this evening is uh the Blackhawks are gonna be back on the ice this week after a bye week that I'm sure they were all ready to have after how miserable uh the last few weeks of January were for that team. Um I'm I'm sure everybody in this uh virtual room and probably a lot of the people listening to this were were good to be uh not have to watch any uh blackhawks games for a while cuz it hasn't been a very pleasant experience for the last little bit and we're going to get into that and in, uh talk about the upcoming games and the rest of the season and all that in a bit but if you were an astute observer of secondcityhockey.com in the past week and you were in one of those exclusive tiers i mentioned earlier you saw all of our prospect updates, and uh, we went to we went to the juniors, we went to the AHL, we went to the college ranks, and we went overseas. I think we got every Blackhawks prospect covered. Uh, so if you go to the website, all those articles should still be fairly easy to find there. Um, the one uh, Betsy and Eric and I were the ones got all the writing for that. Mill was busy with his uh, real job last week, so he wasn't able to get anything for it, but I know uh, mill you said you went through them. So what I want to start with, I want to ask you from the names you saw and the things you read and the numbers that were on there, who jumped out about uh, who jumped out to you among the BlackHawks prospects?
2: Well, first of all, my apologies, my schedule has been kind of crazy. So I do apologize for that. Um, So I have like an unpopular type of pick because most people look at like goals and assists, things like that. I'm kind of high on Nolan Allen. Okay. Um, I like these defensemen who are defensive defensemen who can potentially develop into a guy who could be in every game type of, you know, dependent guy. Um, he's talked about creating chemistry with other guys who are already like, you know, in the system, Korchinski, who's already up doc guys like that because of juniors, world juniors, things like that. But, um, you know, he'll get you a few goals. He'll get you a few points here and there, but he does play a pro style defense. I like that a lot. Um, he, you know, he commits to his role. He doesn't overplay possessions. He's not always looking for offense, which is not a very sexy pick, but, you do need guys like that, you know what I mean, Um, to anchor it down. And it looks like to me on tape, from what I've watched, he has good patience, he has good puck control. Um, He doesn't really focus on offense, but, you know, that could change, you know, with development and coaching. he, He scored some pretty impressive goals on tape, so, you know, that could change. But sometimes you need these types of guys, and I think the Hawks, you know, they're very much still in the building process. This, to me, seems like a maybe like a 3-4 type of guy who, when you have last change especially, could be a very um, important person for you to have.
0: I'm going to throw this over to Betsy because I know she's watched probably more Rockford Ice Hogs and read about them more than anyone else here. So I want to ask, what do you think about Nolan Allen? Oh,
3: hi, Allen. Alan is, um, (laughs) so he's a, when you say defensive defenseman, like shutdown defenseman, he's the type of defenseman you're talking about. Um, He's like a smothering type of guy. Like he tries to stop plays before they happen. Um, And I'm trying to think of like the last like really good, like shutdown defenseman in the NHL. Like that's all they did. They weren't a two-way threat and like that's, um, to compare maybe Orlov, um, Slavin, apps
1: who Jacob Slavin,
3: uh, I think he's he can be two way, like uh, so. So Slavin is like way, I mean, it could be a comparison if no, the problem Nolan Allen's biggest weakness is puck handling, um, which he doesn't try to do very much now he's very good at stopping plays he's very good at getting passing the puck out chipping the puck out his exits that way are very good but you ask him to both skate out and with the puck and sometimes he makes weird decisions you're like so
2: bezzy i was just about to ask you that not to interrupt you but isn't it like from what i see on tape his puck handling when he's skating not great but like when he's in in one spot yes he does take care of it
3: no he's great like it's it's a it's a weird thing that he hasn't been able to translate his like stationary or like uh it's really when he's just in stride Um, exactly
2: okay that's i just wanted to ask you because you you watch a lot of that that's what i saw on tape it felt like he he doesn't really do it when he's moving which sucks. You need that.
3: Especially since he's such a good skater. Like he's one of, if not like it's, it's hard to compare. So him, Kaiser and Korchinski are probably the top skating defensemen in the system. They are just all really good at it in all facets. Alan uh, is especially fast. Um, I think Korchinski probably the best on his edges, and then right. somewhere in between, you know, like it's a but little-
2: Kaiser and Korchinski, they stand out more on tape because of what they can do while skating with the
3: puck. Yes, exactly. So you, there's a lot more focus with it, and then you've got Allen, who I think, because of how smooth and fast he is, he can recover to like defend really well like it's great defensively it's just for some reason his brain disconnects from his hands when he's striding with the puck like i don't know what happens but oh. when he's not in stride his passing is great like he's got a pretty decent um he does a really good job of uh chip out of the zone so he's very good at like making a decision right. of when to hit the boards to get it out that's probably his most noticeable move Um, and it works most of the time, but then you have, it's, it's hard to like watch sometimes because, uh, his partner and a lot of times is Domastro and he's great at skating the puck out. He's also really good at, at chipping and passing the puck out. And he's just more dynamic when he's got the puck. So it's like kind of overshadowing him. And I like, like I said, Alan's really great. I think, um, that's a translatable skill to the NHL. Once he – if he can learn how to do – uh, like, Oduya had that problem a little bit too. Like, right. in stride, he had some issues. But, like, when he's not in stride, he was pretty good. Like, he would – his turnovers, like, in stride were weird. So, And,
2: and that's the kind of what I was saying in my, like, general assessment is, like, that Oduya-Jalmerson pair. Like, yeah. that's kind of where he sits is you're not probably going to see him on a power play unless he develops a little bit more of that handle, you know, and even these days you're really not going to see two defensemen on a power play very much often anymore, but he has that fucking like really great lock in like sec, you know, I hate to call him second pairing, probably best defenseman, but kind of middle for overall.
3: Yeah. And when you're talking about minutes in the eight w- with Rockford, um, De master gets the most. And then I th- Kaiser typically gets more even strength and overall, because Kaiser does play both while um, both special teams while Allen doesn't. And I think sometimes when, the, like with, with Oduya and John Larson, occasionally they would save some five on five time for the guys that played on the PK, like they wouldn't play them quite as much at five on five because they know right. that work is the hardest. So I think that's the main reason, but those three are really the ones getting the top minutes. Right. Well, also
2: they were on the team where the coach was playing chess all the time. So yeah, <laughs> which, which we like, which we do like here, yeah. but but I,
3: I think so. Like uh, they're treated similarly in the, like right now in the Rockford. So those are the three to watch. Um, obviously they're the three. <laughs> actual prospects down there i think a lot of people were if i'm gonna move into my like kaiser is the one some people are so much disappointed with his offense but i would like to point out that kaiser has despite being a smaller lighter well skating puck handler he's, he's never really put up offense he's always been a defensive guy like that was yeah
2: his, he's explosive skating wise yeah it's just not like he's not fucking Connor McDavid. Like, people wanted him to He's score, not going to be... It.
3: Yeah, and uh, Maestro has actually been way better offensively than I think. Like, he was right. good in years, but I didn't know if that and was going to translate. But.
2: And the reason I bring that up is just because when you look at tape of him, the way that McDavid thing where he starts somewhere and then is able to burst into speed, Kaiser yeah. kind of does... He kind of does that. I'm not saying he does it like Connor McDavid, but...
3: The, like, teleporting
2: thing? Yeah. Yeah, it's more of a modern thing, which I I love that because you have to be able to skate and be fast, which are, unfortunately, those are two different things that people like to kind of group together. But being able to skate well and being fast are definitely two different things.
3: Um teleporting I, this wants to just be me and Mill talking
0: for a second so, again i'm sorry we're having like I, was, a... I was like i was about to rope uh, rope eric into the conversation because he i i know he and with some betsy's help put together that rockford thing so i don't want to have yeah him you, you yeah i'm sorry i i'm here myself i'm muting. i'm just listening here so my bad
2: no, you're I am I'm, I'm very into this fucking shit. Like I'm, I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm coaching these guys, you know, but you know,
0: well here, Eric, I'll ask you, was there, was there anybody in Rockford that you, that stood out when you were putting together all the numbers? I've been most
1: interested in Del Mastro and doc all year. Um, Cause I feel like they probably have, they feel like maybe the most certain in a way. And Doc, and that's what we kind of talked about in the recap a little bit too. Doc has something that they don't really have a lot of in their system. And that's, he's a really, he's a bigger, almost power forward kind of forward. But he also has a lot of skill to go with that. Um, So that's really, that's intriguing to me to see kind of where, I think he's a player that could end up like anywhere kind of in the top nine. Like I could easily see him playing with Bedard on the very top line. I could also see him come up and be kind of more of a, you know, a checking winger or a checking player on like a third line. Um, He's Mm -hmm. had some big, some big roles on some good teams the last couple of years. Um, And so he just needs to stay healthy. And I mean, that's, that's been the doc family curse the last couple of years is both, both those dudes need to stay healthy, but he does, especially uh, as far as we're concerned. So, you know, he was, he was starting aside from sucking. (laughs) Okay, I was waiting for it. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, no, he he was starting to, it seemed like he was starting to feel it a little bit uh, at Rockford when he got, you know, the, the cheap shot after the whistle. Um, and so he's skating and hopefully he comes back and he has a strong couple of weeks and then maybe we'll see him in Chicago, you know, some point before the end of the season.
0: Um, I guess Betsy, did you have anything else to add on any of the Rockford players, or I believe you wrote about the the ones in the juniors as well? So wherever you want to steer the conversation from here, please do.
3: Well, I'll bring up NCAA, NCAA first because we were just talking about the whole uh, kind of teleporting skating. You know, you're so fast you can get somewhere you're just like magically ahead of somebody. Um, so more did that constantly recently like that was the one of the things when you, if you watch the clips that are in I tried to pick a bunch of them out um because it was something that people were like he wasn't doing as much in the first there were a lot of people that are disappointed at his offensive output but there were a lot of people also like he's not skating the way that he was just a year ago and then something clicked and it, it had started happening before the world juniors but has been especially like ridiculously good since world juniors and it's his like acceleration around players to make open space for himself um and it's exactly what you're looking for with that whole like i can teleport because i skate so well kind of thing um naser has it a little bit but not as much as more does um so and i don't think i think it's cool that, that a lot of people are like powers was like it doesn't seem like the blackhawks uh plan with more has changed even though he's gotten really good at the end of this like he's been just knocking it out of the park since world juniors but that they're still gonna stay the plan which was for him to do at least two years in um college um so mm-hmm. if that if that's I like that. Um in terms of the juniors guys there's a lot to be excited about. It'll be Interesting to see um, if any of them, like, can make the transition because there's, you know, there's Hayes is doing some cool things. Lardis is obviously putting up a bunch of numbers. Uh, Lewinsky is doing really great. Um, Yeah, there's just, there's a lot of good offense going on there. Like, a lot of, you're seeing a lot of their skills kind of come into play. I think a lot of them will make the transition to the AHL next year. You know, Mm -hmm. like, it's going to be cool to see them. Like, it might be the first time in a while that Rockford will be mostly prospects. You know, like, last year, almost their entire defense was prospects. But their forward core really just had Reichel and Gutman and Hardman and Tepley. But who nobody cares about those guys anymore, right? Um, And this year, they've got... Doc, but he's been injured and then they have who? <laughs> you know, um, Rolston,
1: uh, maybe. Yeah. Two? Rolston, maybe.
3: Yeah, I mean he's an interesting one because people like at the beginning of the thing, like the coach was talking about how he's got a better pro game than maybe a college game. And I can see that, but I just don't I don't know if he's ever gonna be more than a at best third-line player, and the Blackhawks have a a ton of those. So you'd have to really differentiate yourself from the rest of them, right? Um, uh, Jalen...
0: Jalen Lipen?
3: Lipen? Yeah. Lipen. I know a lot of people were really excited about him because he kept getting comparisons to Hagel. Um, And he does have the same... I answered this question somebody asked, like, do they actually compare? And I was like, in how they attack the puck. You know, that whole doggedness, I want that puck, give it to me attitude. He has that. Um, He hasn't, he had a much better, like, he has a technically good shot. I don't know why it's just not working out for him. He's not scoring well in the AHL. And some of it's timing. Some of it's him not choosing the right time to shoot. But I pointed out that Brandon Hagel didn't exactly light up the AHL either. He had just barely over half a point per game um at age 21 and Lipen is at like 0.3 but nine of his like 11 points came in the last 20 games so that's not far off from half a point so if you're thinking about like he was on the lower lines and Doc's injury uh Gutman and Anderson's uh them going to the NHL has opened up space. So Lipin has been playing on the second line now and suddenly he's getting points. So maybe it really was just role he was put into, right? So he could be something. I think he's probably one of those players that will like Andrew Shaw and like, I don't know if he'll be as good as Hagel, but like Andrew Shaw that they don't get as many points from skill so much as they do from hard work and putting themselves in the right position to like get stuff banked in off of them or fetch the puck and get it to the right player kind of thing. So he's one to watch. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. Somebody so, else can
0: I, I think, I, I think the, the, the interesting thing that uh, you mentioned there is just um, that next season's Rockford Icehogs could be, you know, so prospect heavy. And I think there's, I feel like there's something to be said for, you know, getting a bunch of young players together at the AHL level. And they kind of, there's some chemistry building there and they, they learn how to play together. They learn how to become pros together. And then maybe they get up to the NHL level and they're all, um, you know, the being able to have that time together in the AHL helps them succeed together when they get up to the NHL. And it's just, it's a, it's a good thing for everybody involved. And again, we're going to, we're going to do this a lot because, uh, passes, if pass can be prologue for uh, what the Blackhawks are trying to do here. If you go back to the oh six oh seven uh Norfolk Admirals, or excuse me, yeah, well, yeah, it would have still been the Norfolk Admirals for one more season. But, you know, the number two leading scorer was Troy Brower. Fifth was Boland, and then Dustin Bufflin's on here, and some other names who played a bunch of games this season. Dustin Bufflin, Brian Bickle, Christopher Sieg, Adam Burris, Jordan Hendry, Cam Barker. Like, these are all guys who played pretty significant roles down the road and the goalie was Corey Crawford. And you go in the next few seasons, all these guys who were prospects and then came to the AHL and like the guys who don't just go straight to the pro uh, straight to the NHL level, you know, the, it's the guys who need a season or two together um, having so many of them together at the AHL level. And if they all succeed together, then they can all maybe succeed together at the NHL level. So it's a it's not, it's not the worst situation in the world to be in. And I think the general idea is there's, I'm not going to tell you there's reason to be optimistic yet. Cause I think you want to see some of those guys get to whatever the next level is and play better there. But I think it's something to certainly keep an eye on for the next season or two. I think there's, there's things to certainly pay attention to uh, that may not have been there before. Um, I just really quickly wanted to throw it over to the the European things. I put this one together and uh, the main one name you'll want to know about over there is Roman Kantarov, who was the uh, 2023 second round pick, and he's only 5'9", 176 pounds. He's playing in the KHL, which is all full adult men. So he's definitely undersized, but there's some pretty impressive highlights in there. Uh, he looks like a guy who knows he knows how to create on the offensive side of the ice. He's got a pretty good shot. Um, he's going to be in Russia for several more seasons because he just signed a, a two-year contract extension. So it'll be a while. Uh, we'll be keeping tabs on him for a while because he ain't coming here anytime soon. But he's also only 19 years old. So uh, that that's one guy to keep an eye on. Uh, any other prospects to throw out before I forget? Nope. All right. There you go. There's your prospect report. And if you, if you're interested more, like, again – every single prospect I think that the Blackhawks have, we wrote about within the last, uh, a week. So there, there's plenty of information there for everyone to, uh, to, to kill some time while you're at work today or tomorrow or whatever. Um, try to think if there's, uh, any other, I, I don't think there's any other prospect stuff that happened during the course of the week. It's a, it's a lot of, again, it's just a lot of wait and see with so many of these guys. One thing I wanted to touch on, uh, Kind of tied to the prospect discussion, but also just the league wide thing. There were two NHL trades that happened in the last week, and and the reason I bring these up is because I think this the these trades gave me a little bit of optimism related to the Blackhawks because uh Elias Lindholm got traded from Calgary to Vancouver and then Sean Monahan got traded from it was Montreal to Florida? Winnipeg. Winnipeg, thank you. I think the general idea there is that You know, we've I think we've been talking a lot about how are the Blackhawks going to supplement these prospects, because I don't think you're going to build an entire top six out of your prospects. It'd be really great and impressive if the Hawks could do that. But that seems unlikely. So the idea is that they're probably going to have to go outside the system at some point to add these players. And with trades like seeing like the return for Elias Lindholm, which was kind of steep, but. Nuts it and, and the same thing with Sean Monahan. I feel like the Hawks can pay that price over the next two, three, four seasons if they need to to get equal levels of talent to round out their top six if those kinds of players are not available via free agency.
1: It's just hard to comp off of those because they're both yeah. rentals. Yeah. Um So, I mean, but I I agree with you that, I mean, they have more than enough between the picks and the prospects they'll have in their system. And you're already hearing about how they're so stacked with defensive prospects that at some point they're going to have to start trading guys while their value is still high in order to either bring in younger offensive, you know, uh, prospects, maybe some more wingers or something along those lines, or you package them together, you know, with picks to try to get. A bigger younger player that you can have stick around for a while but i think that's i don't know where that falls in kyle's timeline um as far as i still think for now they're focused on you know they're gonna obviously have a really high draft pick um this draft coming up next summer 2024 so i think maybe it's still a while before they're looking into to any trades until it starts to kind of shift and the arrow's pointing a little bit more firmly up. But that that's part of the reason that I think you amass as much stuff as you can is because then you have options. You don't know when you're gonna need it or what you can do with it. But I mean, they definitely they could go out. If you look at like the inverse of what they got for Hegel. If you're going to try to get a Hegel type player, meaning like a winger that you can bring in that you think is going to be a 30 goal scorer that's a younger guy that you can extend, I mean they're in a position they could give up two firsts. And, you know, I don't Radish and Kachuk weren't seen as like big gets as far as like their system goes. But you you easily have a couple, you know, prospects or players that level around. So I mean, if that's what the price is gonna be for whatever 23, 24 year old winger that might be able to get you 30 goals. Like that's something that they could absorb pretty easily right now. Um, and even, you know, they've set themselves up. They have multiple picks for the next couple drafts too, in the first round. So they have a lot of stuff that they can utilize if they're ready to go out and start making moves like that.
0: Yeah. Like that's, I, the one thing that I, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm more on the aggressive side of this than maybe than anyone here. I don't know. I just, I like, I don't think there's like anything's gonna happen at this trade deadline because I it feels like two of the biggest pieces are already off the market with Lindholm and Monahan. But I feel like this summer, man, if there's a guy if there's a guy in his mid late twenties who becomes available because some team is deciding that they are they're gonna blow it up or they can't afford them, and it's you know, it's a player who's under a contract for four or five years. As long I, I have no problem I think like starting this summer, you're adding talent. We're, we're done with this tear down shit. It's over when there's no more tanking involved after this summer or after this season, you're adding players and you, I'm not saying you need to go out and throw a 10 year, a hundred million dollar contract at the best free agent who's available, whoever that would be. But if you have an opportunity to add talent now, like this summer, you start doing it.
1: I absolutely, I agree with you. No. And I mean, they have, one the, the one thing that'll be interesting with them at the trade deadline is if they become like the third party broker and they utilize their cap space, where you know they take part of the contract on and they get things in return for doing that. Or they could still they could eat. You know, everybody was talking about Kuzmenko all of a sudden because they were one of the few teams that could readily just be like, yeah, we'll just take him, you know, because they have so much space. So there's that kind of player that seems to always be available will definitely be available at the deadline and will probably be available this summer. And then there's other kind of more interesting stuff too, which is what I think that you're hinting at, Mm -hmm. where it could be a little bit more impactful. And it's maybe somebody with a three or four year deal, as opposed to, you know, another season or season and a half of bad money. Um, I don't off the top of my head, Nothing is jumping to mind, but those players—they're they're out there, and you see them get moved from time to time. And the Blackhawks could definitely be involved in all those discussions. They should be involved in all those discussions at this point.
0: Yeah, I don't, Betsy. Do you want to talk me out of this?
3: I I just don't know. Like based on their own timeline, I don't think it's a bad idea if the if the right player comes along and it's good to sign or good to trade for go for it um i think the better targets would be try to flip draft capital for younger players um if they can like younger players that are maybe like need new destinations or you know they could do like an actual hockey trade of being like here's two of our defensemen our defensive prospects that are pretty decent give us one of your good forwards you know that kind of thing um Mm -hmm. But then be in the like younger category because like Bedard is still 18. <laughs> so and he'll still be good, but like Nazar's yeah. 20, Moore is 19. Um, all the kids we just talked about, most of them are 20 or younger. Um, they're all gonna be hitting Rockford next year. So, like, I don't know if they need to go out necessarily and pick up their big pieces this summer. I think the summer after this or the trade like you know picking them up in the season or something like that but if the deal is there obviously pull the trigger they have a ton of draft capital and not every one of those the all of those picks are going to be other than their top pick obviously maybe the first rounder if they're lucky maybe one of the seconds right it's going to impact in the next two three years anyway too you know because it's Distance after development, right? Um, distance of development. But uh, I don't, I'm not against it. I just, I it feels like they're setting themselves up to be like, okay, next, like not okay, but like still bottom 10 probably next year. But like they're going to make it so that they're set up for the year after that to be great, like have so much flexibility to do what they need to do. And that's when they really do need to start adding people
0: yeah. and doing well. I, I think my entire sense of urgency just comes from a fear that they're going to become um, any one of the teams that have been mediocre for the last 10 years. And um, like, it's, I mean, part of it is I, I think there's definitely uh, because the Hawks haven't played like meaningful hockey in what, like eight years. <laughs> maybe it's oh, yeah. maybe. Yeah, maybe it's starting to, to, to nod me a little bit. And that's why I'm like, just go get go get players. So we have something fun to watch again. Um, but it's also just, you know, like, like I, if you wait for, if you just keep waiting and waiting and waiting for all these guys to develop from the inside, uh, of your organization, like, I feel like you are, it's, it's almost like, I appreciate that they are confident in the players that they drafted, but you can also fall into a category of naivety that, you think you can build an entire team from a farm system because i just i I don't think that's possible
3: i don't think it is either i don't think that's what they're doing but you gotta let some of them you can use those guys to flip for these other players you know right and I, i i just think targeting younger players with those flips is better i'm not i'm not talking like super young themselves i'm talking about like like we were talking about Zegris is not a bad, if he's actually on the table, like take a shot at him. Wouldn't be a bad thing. You know, Uh, if there are are situations like that, go for it. I would prefer that over some of the older ones and then save the other ones for big signings, like a Hamilton, like, like uh, what um, the devils did sign him a year before they think they're going to be Like they're pushing for it this year, obviously. Um, I think what Carolina did with their defense um, was really cool. And what they've done with their forward core two is a good balance of drafting, flipping their assets for things. um, Players that work really well in their system. So kind of what they're doing more than any other team i know they're, they still haven't won anything but they're still always a really good team yeah
0: well they, uh, they're at least you know they're they're in in the hunts every season it seems and maybe yeah. one, maybe one season they'll get over the hunt or over the hump to, it just uh, it and, just
3: proves how hard it is to win if you had such a good team for years and they still yeah. haven't
0: yeah the uh, and like that's yeah that's the other like um i think as uh those of us who are a fan of a certain baseball team on the South side of Chicago can attest uh, just because you have a good rebuild plan and get young talent. It does not necessarily mean you are going to win championships. And sometimes it doesn't even mean you're going to win a playoff series. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think, I think there, there's just this like gnawing thing in the back of my mind that this is all going to go sideways somehow. And it's completely irrational. I will, I will totally uh, admit to that, but I I just think there's been, there's been a lot of uh, – I, I think it's just – it's it's really it's the Chicago sports brain that is ruining me. And and I uh, – Betsy, I know you with you not being around here to see all these teams that are falling apart, um, you may not experience it, but uh, Eric and Bill, I think, can attest to how shitty all the other teams in the city have been. So now, now it's like the Blackhawks are trying to do this rebuild, and I'm just like ah, – Yeah,
2: ah. I have bigger thoughts on this conversation, but I'll save it for a different time because – they can go very deep.
0: <laughs> oh, well.
3: I was trying to find the article that had, because I think there's going to be a lot of turnover for next year. So there's going to be new ki- like new people in. Um, so it's not going to be, wait, it was one of Powers or Lazarus that wrote it that was like, these are the guys they're pretty sure are not going to be signed. Um, and I, I, I think it was everybody from like Entwistle to Reese Johnson. Um, oh, Yeah.
1: Kachuk. That entire fourth line is like gone. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But like Radish kachuk and, um, so and Tyler Johnson, obviously, um, not
0: that he's been bad. It's just, it's time to go. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs>
1: you, yes,
0: please. You've gotten your 5 million annually for several years. I hope you enjoy the hell out of it. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. yeah. C-
3: um, congratulations. Congrats. Yeah. Um, but like it was a it was a bunch of there was there were some people that were complaining about like Dickinson and Felino and I was like, look, there's already gonna be a huge amount of turnover. They have to keep some faces. You can't have a brand new team every single year. That's not good for the kids that are coming in. They have to have some stability. And why not the two one of the guys that's at least supposedly very good in the room they're both really good in the room but like it's especially good in the room uh with felino and then dickinson who's the best on the ice um but like they they were saying like blackwell will go and practically every i was about to say every third and fourth liner but like everybody's a third and fourth
1: (laughs) there's like
2: four guys that the hawks need to keep who cares like you know it's like bedard Vlasic. it's like people do not need to get attached right (laughs)
0: yeah Yeah. Uh, well and and just don't because like they're the majority of these players are not going to be and even Dickinson and felino are probably i want to say this more years
2: i want to say this is somebody who was very very into the hawks post lockout like so oh oh five oh yeah which which
0: lockout you have to be more specific okay so
2: (laughs) my family decided to get uh, season tickets, it was $602 and change per seat. Uh, in the 05 06 season, what okay? time to be alive? And like, I, oh, I don't know, fuck, I was like 14 or whatever. I loved the Hawks and I was so into some of these players. And this is before they even had Blackhawks convention, they had season ticket holder shit where you'd walk around, the guys would sign whatever it was like Jim Vandermeer was walking around, like it was a bunch of bullshit and the people I get it like you're one of those people who's like this is my thing I'm into the team I love it it sucks like you get attached to people and they're gone but it's like this team besides Bedard and a couple I would say three four other guys like this is not it so don't worry about (laughs) it it's gonna be okay
0: yeah, well, I understand. We, we trust hope me. we we hope is going to be okay. Well, I think that's that's that that's my well uh my, that's my lingering lingering cynical sports brain is that uh, that this will go sideways at some point, but I, there, I don't want to go no, too far down that road because it's not it's reason, not rational. I will say here's the reason
2: I think it'll be okay. If not, I'm not saying Stanley Cup champions. I'm just saying I think it will get better. Is because they have nowhere to go but up. They have. <laughs> Literally true.
0: They're, they're yeah, in last I mean, they place really right don't.
2: Now. They really don't. And also this team, even though they have kind of abandoned like this for honestly for the better, they've abandoned the previous regime. They still are. Were the Blackhawks. You know, they're still playing this brand of They're not Oh, four Blackhawks, the worst franchise in sports by ESPN. Like they know they have to be good. They're in Chicago. Like, this isn't a fucking team where we could talk about the Ricketts and the Reinsdorf where they don't need to, you know, I, I could get very deep into <laughs> how they get their money and they don't need to worry about shit. But the fact, of, or, or the McCaskies, like ownership is very important, but Rocky, unfor- you know, he, for a better, he's, he's not here. Like this is a new time. So they have to do something.
0: Yeah, I think I think the the point there in general, like that there, there's a lot of poor ownership, I would say. Sorry in- to ramble, but, no, like, no. I, 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 but I, I think this. no, I think that's a fair point, because like one of my things that I've been very bummed about lately is just it seems like there's a lot of bad ownership of sports teams in Chicago. And I wouldn't necessarily like other like. I don't think like reg- the ownership was maybe Allegedly not involved in everything with Kyle Beach. Like I'm trying not to bring that situation into it. Um, in terms of just like an on ice product, like they spend the money, they, they try to bring in people who seem like they know what they're doing. And they, they seem like a competent ownership group that can, if they get good players, they'll be okay. Like, I'm, I'm not so sure I could say the other teams have competent ownership seems like but, like it seems like they want to win and I'm not so let, sure if that's the case with everybody. Let,
2: let me let me just throw this out there, okay? Cuz I, I also worked like during these eras of these, you know, like the Hawks and the Cubs winning and whatever. The the way it looks is like the Hawks want to get back to that. They won three with that group and they want to get back to it. They don't want to be fucking, you know, these these shitty like the way the reason that this regime is because they thought, oh, we're gonna get the number one pick, which they did, and they want to get better. Um, for lack of a better term, the Cubs eighty five bears their fans. <laughs> I hate to, I hate to say it like that, uh, but that's ugh. the truth. Yeah, it is what it is. And Reinsdorf, you know, they got the six Bulls titles, and then you know, with the Sox, it's like the Sox should have big time contenders lately but it is what it is these baseball owners are about their money and they don't care about the fans but all of them it doesn't matter what side of you know town you're on the the baseball owners are bad (laughs) and unfortunately the bulls fall into that category and the bear i mean the bears i think the bears will get there but they have to wait unfortunately they're 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 hanging on for dear life with this ownership yeah Rich guy has been a rich guy. Exactly. (laughs) But the Hawks have the taste in their mouth, and they
1: don't want to go back. They also have arguably, you know, obviously I'm taking a big leap here, but they may have one of the five best players in the history of their franchise who is just starting out his career. Who's a teenager. It's it's, it's the Bulls. had Yama or the Cubs got fucking Otani or something, you know, that exactly. changes but things drastically.
2: And, and again, I have thoughts on those other franchises. I'm going to leave out of this podcast because people pro- – even though I'm sure some listeners do care about the other teams, I don't want to make it about that because that's not what this is about. And I'm sure we could all talk about those other guys. But yeah. the fact of the matter is Bedard, like Eric brought up, Bedard is potentially – one of the best players they'll ever have, he, not even top, I mean, top five, like he could become their best player ever he or could be, yeah. whatever.
0: Yeah. Could we be don't know one. yet.
2: It's very early, but I don't think that they want the taste of defeat. And I think that that's why when this ownership started to turn over, like it was like, hey, you know, nosedive, get rid of these guys. Let's change it over it was because for so long. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you guys. They were still in playoff contention, and my brother and I were talking like, "Hey, why are they fucking promoting these past cups and and hanging on to the past like we want to win now?" You know, like that was the conversation I was having with friends of mine, my brother, whoever. The Hawks really, I think, do want to be better and and make it happen, but. They have to build, and, and you know we'll see where this ownership goes. But ownership is a big part of this whole thing.
0: Yeah, I definitely. I think it's it's becoming more and more of a evident how much that role affects what happens down on the field not yeah. just with the hugs, but with everyone else and
2: again them. sorry to rant but <laughs> like this is
1: becoming very prevalent in all sports
0: yes it is um, well
1: that's and that's what i was going to say i think there's an overall point i think we all have rebuild fatigue to an extent <laughs> oh. because it's it's every sport it's every league yes. it's every team now if you're not one of the three best teams in your division it's a retool it's a rebuild it's a There used to be, and whether it was foolish or not, you know, analytics rules all now. There used to be, you'd get the occasional team that would come out of nowhere and they'd like figure it out at the end of the year and go on a run. And there's something about that as a sports fan. Like part of the reason we watch every game, we know it's going to happen the majority of the time. But the times when the thing you least expected to happen happens, when fucking. Hosa comes out of the box and scores. Like you remember that stuff for the rest of your life. Yeah. So there's something cynical about just removing that from ever being on the table anymore about like modern sports that fucking sucks. And I think, you well, know, all of us who grew up when that stuff still existed, we missed that. And it kind of pisses us off a little bit. You know, and it makes you weary of the rebuild.
2: It's it's funny, though, like, you know, 90s or early 2000s, whatever, like, think of NBA, NHL, like, every team had their one star, mm-hmm. MLB, whatever. Nowadays, it's like, we all know who the stars are, but it's like, hey, like, how's this team's top six, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, of course, that's very important. But, like, shit is very different now.
0: Yeah. The the no that there's a much difference. It's uh it, it feels it's it's so much more of a business now, and I think that's the best way to describe it. And and, and I feel like the the calculations that are getting made now are may are using much different arithmetic than they. I I don't even know if they were they were thinking of it in these terms twenty thirty years ago about all this rebuild and shit. Just because I don't think that was it wasn't necessarily in vogue just because. I don't know if people were aware of it. Like there was an idea of we have these young guys. Let's focus more on the future. Like if we're, or if we're average this season, it's okay. We're going to take some lumps and our young kids are going to figure it out regardless of the sport. Now you have teams who are aggressive or actively making themselves worse in the short term in hopes of a better long-term gain. And that, that whole thing, is that I feel like that is a new thing that has come up in the last 10 to 15 years. And it is the bane of my existence as a sports fan. And I could ramble about this for a long time. And I think sometime near the end of the season and maybe into the off season, we will, because there, there's this question lurking in the back of my mind that is whether or not this is all worth it, uh, whether or not the, the last two to three seasons is worth whatever you think is coming down the road. Um, but I, we're going to save that for another uh, thing later on this year. Cause I've actually, I was very close to writing this last week. So um, we'll, we'll have that discussion later. Um, oh, Hey, we were going to take a quick time out and I think we're extremely overdue for that. So let's do that. We're going to take a, take a moment to catch our breaths and then we're going to come back and look ahead to what the Hawks have coming up in the second half of the season. And uh, yeah, so come on back for all of that. Welcome back to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. And that first half wasn't a little long, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up a little bit here. I, I wanted to throw this over to Betsy first because uh, I think we got a little Chicago sports heavy there. And uh, with her not being in the area, she probably was uh, had her eyes glazed over as we were talking about some of those That's okay. other things. Wait.
3: Getting back at us talking about Kelly Clarkson
0: earlier. <laughs> so, and which was—I don't know if I should blame you for that or Mill for that. I can't remember. Who it's started basically there. just me being involved in every
2: conversation and, <laughs> and dragging it out. Yeah. So I'm yeah. going to mute myself, and when you guys—Mill—I think you that's
0: at least the third time you said you were going to mute yourself. So I don't no, think look, it's working I, very I am, well.
2: And I'm going to hold the tag role, and you tag me in. Okay. When there's okay. a hot tag, I'm ready to go.
0: Okay. Uh, but so the Blackhawks have a lot of home games coming up in the month of February of the, if I'm counting this correctly, they have 10 games and nine of them are at the United center. So it's a home heavy schedule. It starts Wednesday night against the wild Friday against the Rangers. Next week, it's Tuesday against the Canucks Thursday against the penguins Sunday against the senators. So, uh, a lot of a lot of home ice coming up for the hawks and i the main thing i just was going to ask you Betsy, is there anything in particular that you are looking for or interested in or keeping your eye on over these final 30 games or so
3: can they score
0: <laughs> no they cannot
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the that's the main thing you've got to like um a lot of people are saying they're like oh they've, they've been impressed with their defensive effort which i am like it's it's better um but I would like to point out that like better from like the worst is not exactly like great. <laughs> um they're doing what they can is, is a good is a good thing to to that's that's essentially the label I have to give it. So it would be awesome if they could like cause like the whole the whole point of the season of like is to see systematic improvement, which I think we have, but I'd like to see a little bit more offensively in terms of like puck possession. Because mm-hmm. they're they've done a better job at suppression in the sense of they're gonna block shots, and like there's not quite as much like concentrated shots against, but it's still a lot like it's still they're still at the bottom over the last however many games during that like losing streak, people were like, well, at least the, it's the effort is there, but it's they're like it got better defensively, and I'm like, they're still bottom three <laughs> to five in every shot against stat. And yeah, that's not great. Um, so that, but mostly it's goal scoring. Like, I know that Bedard was the guy, but like, they could like I f- just try a little, like try. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I they bad. are like, Betsy.
1: They I know, are. I know. I know.
3: I even said it in one of the the recaps. It's like they had that one game where they had a ton of breakaways and rushes and stuff like that, which is not their they're they're normally really low at that, but they're also really terrible at converting them. And I think I said like Kachuk is like one like he, he's one in ten, and he had like three in that game, and I was like, so yeah, there was a good chance he was not gonna score on any of those, just like. <laughs> having a lot of chances. And somebody asked me, they were like, well, that's good to have. And I was like, yeah, in a sense, like, but the minute he shoots the puck, it goes back the other way again. You know, it's not like they regain possession and then keep going. It's not like what Kruger used to do. Like when the Blackhawks Kruger was really great at getting it into the zone. And then he would shoot the puck right into the goalie. Like he did not score, but the goalie usually, like, either he would stop play and the Blackhawks would get their best players out there on the ice for an offensive draw, or they would shuffle it into the corner, the Blackhawks would get on the ice, regain possession, and then have possession in the zone forever. That's not what's happening with, with Kachuk. Um, The the team flips it right back away, and there's nothing, right? So uh, those one, in, one and Duns aren't doing anything. So I would just like to see them have more meaningful possession of the puck, even if it doesn't result in goals, just more time with it would be nice to see.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, uh, like the goal scoring is probably going to remain an issue. Like even when Bedard gets back, like, and, uh, I, we guess we probably should mention here. He was, he's been back in practice. He's still wearing the non contact Jersey. So, uh, still probably, uh, a few weeks away before he's going to be back in games. But, um, yeah, just like, I don't know. I, I think the the stretch that they endured in January and, and like like late December, early January, when it really started to sink in, just this misery. Uh, it felt like the stretch last season when they lost 21 to 23 and they just needed something. They, they just somehow needed to reset from that. And fortunately for them, they got the, uh, the bye week and the all-star weekend. So they've had a week and a half, uh, about a week and a half off, Uh, from last game until the game on Wednesday night. So um, if there was ever as good a time as any, you combine that break with the fact that they're going to be playing on home ice for the next, for the majority of this month, considering they haven't won on the road in their last, I think it was 20 games now, right? Yeah, I think it's either 19 or 20. They definitely hit 19. I don't
3: remember. yeah. Yeah. You know what? They all blur
0: together. <laughs> exactly. Like every game was just a little bit just different versions of the same miserable results. Um, so the fact that they are, you know, they're, they're playing yeah, at home 20. and they, and they've had, thank you. Uh, yeah. 20. And I, I, I don't know if they set the record or were flirting with it, but I got I just, I, I stopped
3: <laughs> 19 was the tie.
0: I just, I stopped looking cause it was just so depressing really. Um, just the fact that they have a chance to just kind of, get resettled and get some home games where they've been playing better at home. Hopefully there's um, just more, just more watchable. I I think that's the thing. Like some of those games over the last little bit were just painful to sit and watch. And uh, I hope they are less of a painful experience for the rest of the season. Uh, Eric, did you have anything else that, well, I I guess the other thing I would say Lucas Reichel, I would like to see something cool happen with Lucas Reichel. That would be wonderful. Um but Eric sorry to go sorry to give you a tease there but go right ahead now.
1: No, I would have said the same thing. I'd like to see some development from him in some way shape or form whatever that is. I think we're all dying to see that, dying to see some positives, some signs of life. Yeah. Um and kind of the same with Sodabom. I'd like to see him and I've said this in a couple uh you know previews or recaps. I'd like to see him play a little bit more. Especially I mean All you're trying to do is get the best possible draft pick at this point. So, you know, (laughs) Morazic's going to be back for two more years. There's no reason for them not to be trading starts. Um, If you're sheltering him from something or you're trying to get him to learn some lesson, like, cool, tell us. So we know that so we can stop bothering you about it. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, when he's not getting started against San Jose or, you know, uh, Columbus or, you know, bad teams, that to me, I'm like, I don't understand why. Um, so I'd like to see him play some more. I'd like to see some more development from him. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Other than that, Reichel, Soderblom, Vlasic, Vlasic has been awesome. Hopefully we see more Phillips and he gets to play more consistently. Um, that's kind of it. Those, those are the main guys that I want to watch. And then obviously Bedard, whenever he comes back.
0: Uh, Mil, uh we can let you, uh, you're, here comes the hot tag your way. So uh, you want to f- jump into the ring and let us know what your thoughts are? Um, I mean, I think a
2: lot of mine is still with the Reichel stuff. Like, you know, I want to see more from him, but we we don't know (laughs) if it could take time. I, I think I'm in the same boat, but we'll see. You know, it may take time. May You know, we'll we'll see what happens. It's hard to predict. I think if you look back at a lot of people's opinions on things and then you look at the you know what happened after, sometimes it's vastly different. Sometimes they very much predict what's going to happen. so we'll see.
0: Yeah, um, I, I guess the uh, the other on ice updates we should give quickly is uh, Tyler Johnson's going to be back for these games. Uh, he's going to be back starting Wednesday night, and I Yeah, yeah, thank you. I'm glad, glad that uh, got that strong of a reaction. <laughs> uh, Connor Murphy was skating. Anthony Bavillier skating. I believe that's the only players that seem nearer returns. Um, I, like, Andreas Atha to see you. Uh, like, they said they're still I, – I think their quote from Richardson was something like, they're still hoping he can play at some point this season. Uh, I don't remember – it's a groin injury. I don't remember a specific, like – I don't remember it being – a forecast that was going to be this bad. Like he's been I, out since the no first week or since November 9th. And I don't think February. that they
1: knew. Yeah. Like well, Richardson a, in, did say he hopes he's going to be skating quote unquote soon. What exactly soon means no one knows. But yeah, it's that's pretty crazy. I mean, and I think we've all kind surgery? of forgotten about him. Didn't, no, I don't think so.
3: Uh January 15th, 2024 um yeah he had surgery
0: okay i like because I, I thought to,
3: yeah so okay so ben pope uh Do had a procedure on his groin a little while back luke richardson's had he went back to the same doctor who helped him with his groin issue when he was playing in la for in 21 22 so he had a procedure i that might not have actually been a surgery um
0: That that's an interesting choice of words
3: yeah, I don't
0: procedure,
3: and it was a little while back, so it probably was like, I assume at least in December, since this happened. Like this, this was announced January fifteenth. I was like, I remembered them. I remember this in one of our updates. <laughs> I was like, oh, I have read.
0: Yeah, like uh, like I found a tweet from Charlie uh, Romeliotis. I almost said Charlie R, but I think that's how you say his last name. I, I apologize. I'm certainly he's not listening to this, but anyway, um, from December twenty seventh. He said often you had to shut down his gym workouts, but he finally got some clarity on his groin injury after visiting another doctor. His work- yeah, workouts workouts he- are expected to pick back up again soon.
3: he must have had yeah a procedure procedure
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just i I remember when he went down, it was like, all right, maybe like a month or two, and here we are in February, and he's hasn't even been back on the ice yet, so
3: um I feel like groin injuries are one of those injuries that like they can either be not too bad or the minute you have one, it plagues you for the rest of your career.
0: Yeah. And especially someone Better like is- him, his, whose game is so predicated on speed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, so yeah, like, I, I don't want to make it sound like it's um he needs to like be back tomorrow because like, what does it even matter? Uh, He like needs to take all the time he can to get healthy, but it's just, it's been surprising that it was kind of, I, it, I, it feels like the, the initial diagnosis did not seem like he was going to be out for three months and we're and counting. So, um, like I I'm I'm of the mindset like I've in my head I feel like I've written off him even playing again this season, which may not be fair, but that's feels like where I'm at right now.
1: Yeah, it almost kind of feels like Blackwell last year. Where it's mm-hmm. just like it's like the old Simpsons, you know. He's in the mystery spot with yeah. Ozzy Smith. Like, what's <laughs> what's going on? Uh, there's, um, there's and no then memories. all of a sudden, yeah, he shows up next season. Like, yeah, I'm ready to play again. So I, I don't, I don't know that we'll see him again this year. But maybe that's what soon means. Yeah, <laughs>
0: well, yeah. I guess we'll find out. Um, so, yeah, a lot of uh, there, there's some games coming up. They're all at home. Um, if you, and again, I, I think I said this several times near the end of last season. But if you are looking to introduce a friend to hockey and you would like to take them to a Blackhawks game, now is your time. Find uh, get a get a weeknight because those tickets tend to be cheaper. The secondhand market is is down pretty low right now. I was looking at myself uh, a few nights ago, like there's there's some deals to be had. So if you uh if you've been trying to get out to the United Center to see a game, the next 2 months is probably uh the best bet you're going to have because uh there's no telling what in in the future with uh ticket prices might go back up on the secondhand market. So if there's one positive to be gleaned from all of this, it's that uh it's it's uh much more affordable to go see Blackhawks games in the short term because uh, not too many people want to see it. Um, but Hey, uh, maybe when Bedard comes back, it'll be a little bit more of a pleasant viewing experience. And, uh, won't we all be excited when that happens? Other than that though, uh, I don't have any other Blackhawks thoughts. So, uh, since we were off for a week, we have to, uh, reclaim our mantle as the best, uh, food-themed hockey podcast on the internet. Uh, the only problem with that is uh, I forgot to double-check with everyone to see if the, anybody had come up with a, a food topic for us to discuss because we've exhausted a lot of them, and this is the time of year where uh, I don't think food uh, exploration is much on people's minds is mostly just uh, shivering for another month or two till we can, till spring gets here. But uh, did anybody have any thoughts? Do we have any more Ask a Southerner or a Southerner asks the Northerners? Or anything a, of that
3: nature yeah, i have one uh do you guys eat it question okay um i mentioned this during uh new year day um the wheat the south loves to eat uh like collard greens is one of the most popular things to eat on new year's day because it is supposed to be about health and money and all this other stuff right have you guys ever heard of something called pot liquor
1: Um, I've heard I've heard of it. I don't know what exactly it is, but you, I've heard, heard f- the term before.
0: Is that pot liquor? All?
3: It is spelled like pot, p o t, and then liquor, l i k k e r. But it is pronounced okay. like pot, pot liquor, like liquor from a pot.
0: Okay, I, I, my my thought was initially that it was uh, liquor like alcohol.
3: No, it's like so. Whenever it's a very common thing with collards because the Collards are often you put in either like people will put in broths, you know, um, usually a chicken stock or something like that. And then it all cooks in there. Sometimes people use pork. Um, A lot of people put salt licks in their um, collard greens, so it'll become porky chicky. But either way, collard greens are really good. And then there's always like a liquid afterwards. And some people will drain that or they'll it kind of comes like a little collard soup. And it's very common for you to get, like, a little cup or a tiny bowl of something called a pot liquor. Um, and it's l- just leftover water from cooking collard greens usually, but, like, it can be any other greens. Um sometimes has a little bit of meat in it, maybe some more seasoning, but yeah, it's very common in the South to do that. Um, One of the best Southern restaurants I've ever been to in Atlanta, Mary max. It's one of those really famous things. They put it in like a little glass. It almost looks like a shot glass and people will do kind of like a little shot of it. Um, But that's something you guys just don't, you may have
0: never had Googled it it, never even heard of it. Yeah. This is an entirely new thing for me.
3: Yeah. Follicure is very good usually like it's like but it's some people I think that they'll have it like as like a bigger soup thing but it's more common if it's kind of almost like a little appetizer kind of thing brothy liquid leftover after <laughs> it reminds me of so much of people who like are like save your rice water except that they use that for like skincare instead of um, eating it but yeah it's as a food source but yeah, that's interesting it's one of those things that um, collards are so big down here, and I don't know how big they are up there. Like collard I, green,
0: I I'm mm-hmm. aware of their existence, but I feel like collard greens are not on any menus up here anywhere. I, at-
2: I've I've had them at Riot Fest, really, okay. Yeah, I, I I had a barbecue place and I had the collard greens, but I,
0: if. if- there was going to be a place that would have them. I would expect a barbecue place to have it because barbecue was kind of a Southern influence thing. And in, in initially anyway, and college was very
2: good them. by the way. Yeah.
0: I'm sure they, yeah. Sound good.
2: But, um, that, like, yeah, that, that was my contribution is I've eaten them and they were good.
3: <laughs> we're good. Yeah. I feel like it's very much of a, uh, Southern soul foodie kind of thing.
1: Um, yeah.
3: so, Eric said had heard of it but never had it
1: too. I've heard of it but never had it. That's correct.
0: Okay, Ugh. I have. Go ahead, Mill. Sorry. No, no.
1: I was just
2: saying, like it, it was, it was good.
0: Okay. I I do have a, a follow up thought, and it's a it's a very uh, time sensitive thing because it's coming up next Tuesday. So this is a. I don't think this is a northerner thing. I think this is more of a Polish thing, and Chicago has a very heavy Polish population. I believe it's like the number two the number two population of cities with
2: Poland whatever you're about America. to bring up is probably delicious. Uh,
0: yeah, but like, <laughs> like Warsaw in, in Poland is number one and number two is Chicago in terms of cities with the most Polish people as residents. But it's uh punch day next Tuesday, which is also, it's fat Tuesday. Uh, there's like a zillion names for it. It's the day before Lent. So you're supposed to be just a gluttonous slob that whole day. And in Polish circles, the, the treat is a punch It's, it's spelled P-A-Z-P-A-Z. Are they the donut Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. And are you familiar with these at all, Betsy?
3: I have. Yes. I've had them in Chicago, actually. Okay. I don't remember... I don't, I've never been into Chicago in February, so. Well, well if you
2: guys would like, especially Dave and Eric, since you're close, we could all load into my vehicle and drive into Monster Donut as, for, as,
0: as <laughs> is tradition. <laughs> Literally into Monster Donut. Sorry, <laughs> well, I know Dave, place, Dave understood the joke. <laughs> that place, that place is good. I'm telling you, the place to go. Um, And Eric, I don't know if you, have, well, first off, Eric, I'm sure you're familiar with these this food I'm talking about, right?
1: Yeah. It's weird though. Like I know it far more from, um, my wife is from Detroit and from, it's a much bigger deal there than it ever was where I grew up in Chicago. And we're not too far from like the kind of, um, up on Belmont Avenue. There was like a huge Polish population, like not too far from Oak Park from where Yo, I grew wait, up.
2: Does your, does your wife, is she a wings fan? My wife doesn't care about hockey. Okay. Her br- okay. her brothers I, and her dad are Wings fans. Okay, I just needed to make sure because <laughs> I I wanted to say like I feel like that would be a very difficult like thing especially, you know, 10 years prior to now.
1: No, she if anything she's become more of a Blackhawks fan. Okay. Like, okay. From I'm paying sorry attention to interrupt but, me, but I ha- I had to ask. It's a fair question. I would, I would, if she was from St. Louis, I never would have married her. Just,
2: well, <laughs> right. I no mean, that's what. not, yeah. right. That's not like, I mean, they're not people, but, um, <laughs> is, is, uh, they're not people. Uh, right. Detroit, they're people. I mean, look, I, I mean, I know, especially you guys are Bears fans, like, it, it sucks like lions, but like I look at the lions I'm like, all right, you know they're doing they they did something they never really won anything in this era.
1: oh, I was pulling for them hard mm-hmm. but, yeah. right
2: but mm. but right i I get that it can go either way like for me like I would never root for a team from my division, but I have reasons for that but so I can understand both ways but I had to ask because you know fucking. Like wings, growing for all of us, even even Betsy not being close. Like I'm sure, growing up, like wings is the devil,
0: <laughs> but not what? Detroit to, sucks. Not to be confused with the Devils.
2: No, 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 not the Devils. Like I'm talking about, I, like no, I, uh, I, I, wa- no. like Water Boy, like like <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Mama says, Detroit Red Wings are the devil. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. Um I hated oh. Vancouver way more though, personally, but that's just because that was.
2: That well, that stretch they were fucking awesome.
3: Yeah,
0: and and but, I, I can tell you there there's that is the one thing I think I miss the most from the Hawks being good is I miss having teams to hate and legitimate reasons to hate them. What like hate like especially because
2: right of Chelios, like Detroit was fucking hell. Yeah,
3: I will say um, when they yeah. announced the Winter Classic thing, somebody was like, "Are they even?" We didn't even talk about that, did we? <laughs> no. I,
0: but you, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
2: I have thoughts, but, but I just, they may not but be the, relevant. But the
3: people were like, are they even really rivals anymore? St. Louis and the Hawks? And it's like, uh...
1: No, no. no.
0: Not really. But you're do the, to have but a rivalry when both when are. When you're not... But are, you not are, are, you are you
1: all jacked really? up to face Jordan Cairo now? Like... <laughs> Robert Thomas, like come on, no. Maybe in a couple years if the blues get good again, too, but other than Bennington being a baby, like there's not
2: like I have a a different opinion on that actually. I first of all, I agree. Like, fuck Jordan Bennington. Like (laughs) that guy sucks. Here's the thing. They are technically rivals. The problem is they're not relevant teams. And that's really an NHL problem. This goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Like, even if they're not like competing for the Stanley Cup, if they're so irrelevant that we feel like division teams aren't rivals, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Like seriously, because I mean, who's interested? Like, we should at least be interested. Like, you look, you look at other sports. You're interested when you play your rivals, right? Yeah. You want to beat them. If nothing else, you want to beat your division rivals in baseball, in football, in basketball. This is
1: a fucking joke right now. Yeah. They don't want to beat anybody. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> they don't care. The only thing they uh, want to beat is they want to beat everyone else up to the podium but, to fucking draft Macklin. No, 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 no. That's I, what they want I to do. I
2: agree with you, but the problem is, is if the Blues fucking cared. Then then we would all feel some kind of fucking like, oh yeah, fuck those guys, you know? The problem is both sides are like, yeah, whatever. And yeah. then they give them the fucking the outdoor game at Wrigley fucking field of all things. And it's like all of us are like, all right, can Bedard carry this fucking rivalry?
0: Because he's gonna his, he's he's gonna carry the ratings. That look, that's 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 the whole discussion. It's look, like I care about the uniforms. I I know, and, I know you did, and
2: I care about Connor Bedard, but, but <laughs> like does like anything saw,
0: else matters. I saw I saw too many quote tweets from people on Twitter today of like why are the Hawks in this, and and it's 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 so it, you, there's no reason to think about this beyond one simple thing, uh as of January third or fourth, uh, Greg washinsky tweeted this the most viewed hockey game this entire season was Connor Bedard's deb- debut game against the Penguins. So, the number one the player who generated the number one ratings this season despite playing on the worst team in the NHL, literally they're in last all place. Right. Like if they're they're and the ratings uh for the Kraken and gold Knights game but this year were terrible. So they they're they're putting Bedard on TV to get people to watch. That's all right, so that's the whole story.
2: I want to bring this up
0: Because it's just, it's sort of relevant,
2: but, so my brother, you know, my brother and I are both Jersey guys, and I'm not talking about counterfeits, I'm talking about the real deal, he has at least one jersey from every single Winter Classic game, okay? This goes back to 08, what was it, Penguin Sabres, the first one? Sure. And, And he literally told me today, he goes, I'm gonna get the Bedard Hawks one, but he was like, if I'm not, like... You know, if you're not a Hawks fan, like, like whatever, he's like, like, look at this game. Like, who the fuck is going to play in this game next year? Like, the Hawks, they need another, at least another year. And, I mean, obviously, none of us who are Hawks people want to buy Blues jerseys. But even if you're, like, not a Blues, even if you're a Blues fan, or I guess more or less an indifferent fan, who do you care about on St. Louis? Like, this game
0: is... But that, it, like, but, but people will watch those kind of bedards there. No, at no, least that's that's, they, that's what the Hawks are betting. At least, they, that at least that's what the league's betting
2: on. Right. But hopefully, they, and hopefully the Hawks will be good by then, or at least like it, uh, entertaining, entertaining, yeah. entertaining. I wouldn't expect but, that. Even but that. like, this should be at least another year out. Like, this seems yeah. very premature.
3: I mean, I get that. I I also want to be like, well, what other team can you put on there? Like, what
1: other? Well, te- that's. Yeah, if you're going to market it because of stars, you're getting it because of Bedard. Obviously, the team stinks. Get another star for him to play against. That's what I'm saying. Is like <laughs> I wouldn't want that's what my brother
2: was saying. It's like St. Louis. Like really? Like we yeah. get the rivalry, but it's not like like Eric said like two minutes ago. It's like who cares
0: about this rivalry? I do right wonder. Right?
3: I do wonder though if it's because they're both going to be bad. Like they don't want to
0: blow out. So like putting well, the, yeah, cause, yeah. Because if you if you put the Hawks against the Avalanche. Like, you know, you build as Medard versus McKinnon, but the game will be over by the first intermission and everyone will turn it off. Like Wigley Field for
2: baseball is 45,000. Like, come on.
3: I'm just, I, I, I totally, I think they're premature. I agree with that. I just, I'm not totally sure who else they could go against. There's no other team that's going to be like, Minnesota's not going to probably be very good. Nashville's not going to be very good. Detroit is Detroit unless Patrick Kane is still with Detroit next year.
0: Oh yeah. That that, that would have been
3: an interest. That, that would have been a really like good storyline, but there's no way to know because he's currently injured. Right. Like he's still, I last. mean, he came I would have looked at this.
2: who travels well to Chicago for, for road games. Right. I mean, obviously St. Louis comes, but like, I don't well, know. But, Bring, no,
0: but that's not. I mean, they, they're not. You worried don't about need the, that to sell out Wrigley. Fields. Yeah, they're not yeah, worried about the gonna, gate. No. They're worried. They're worried about like TV ratings, and, ratings and, yeah. and and commercial and the money they can. Okay, make yeah, out I'm gonna go ahead and, and so I'm are so, the
3: perfect so, thing. They're they. So do you guys just do you guys see the announcement today about Warner Warner Brothers Discovery Fox Sports?
0: Oh, they're gonna do cable TV. TV?
3: <laughs> they're yeah they're they're gonna make their own they're gonna essentially do what Fox and NBC did with Hulu which is come come together to make one platform for all their stuff and then Hulu is bigger than all of those now like it's going bigger but they're gonna make one sports platform yeah right. have an equal share in it um, and it because people aren't buying into. Like individual ones, like even Max, they have free like uh, Bleacher Reports free on there right now, and then they have other free things that they've been throwing on there. ESPN, and ESPN Plus have been dying, Does, you know, like none of them are doing well as so, as silos because people don't want to pay that much for one, like not all content. So now they're coming together. It's a perfect example of this. Linear is dying, ratings are dying. That's just a fact. And well, also too,
2: as- ESPN's annoying because. You get blackout in your own market. Well, that's what yeah. I'm saying.
3: That's that's exactly what this is supposed to, like, hopefully prevent. Like, you can you can be able to toggle through them. Um, maybe. Um, but, like, it's just going to be a <laughs> silo. But, like, sh- streaming, right. streaming wars, uh, like, these streaming app wars have not come to fruition. People are more upset about them now because you're paying more for or as much of cable as you were before without the same amount of content. You know, like you're not getting everything you could have gotten with cable. So they're chasing viewership right now, which means they're chasing ad revenue. And that's where they get most of their money. Um, So, yeah, they do not care that much about the because they sold out.
2: Look, I'm I'm not a great person to talk about this because. I've been this is buying my, this
0: the is my league field. package. Yeah, that, this is yeah. This is this is definitely Betsy's uh, line of. Uh,
2: this is more Betsy's thing. Like I've been buying the league package forever. <laughs> like 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 since like like before the Hawks won a cup in my lifetime. Yeah. Well, but I will say this: we know that teams like Buffalo and Pittsburgh and fucking whoever in the East Coast, the, besides Canada, they. People watch there.
3: Yeah, but it's about markets too. So Chicago is a top five market. The Correct. only they, yeah, they only, no no, no I'm
2: excluding those. Chicago
0: because we're talking like we're yeah, I, but
3: St. I, St. Louis is not like it's top fifteen. Buffalo they'll watch, but they're not, even they're, yeah, not they're, even. they're not.
0: I don't think they're numerous enough to
2: make. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. Buffalo is normally the the top American. Yeah, well yeah well
3: it like like in terms yeah, of the I'm not actual market size is not big so like it's the same right
2: no no, no i don't mean the market size i okay. just mean the uh yeah they do numbers. view
3: yeah yeah that's that's true it's just that it's kind of like saying um like if they like arizona in their i get
2: it i, I get what yeah. you're saying it's, okay yeah, it's okay. the size versus the percentage i get what you're saying yeah um It's why they keep
3: trying to make Atlanta happen, too, because Atlanta is a big broadcast market. Oh, of
2: course. Uh, Atlanta should be a huge market. If hockey was popular down there, it'd be a fucking giant market. It could
3: Um, be. They had a fucking good team. uh,
2: No, I agree. I agree. I agree. Move
3: Carolina to here. (laughs) All
2: I'm saying is... These fucking weird ass, like it it feels washed. Like I remember, you know, the Hawks Wings one was the second Winter Classic ever. It was exciting. It feels kind of washed these days, yeah. which
3: sucks well, that's because I, th- I think that's, that's the what, outdoor games in general. Yeah, I
0: think that's yeah. that's what I'm saying. That that's this is I this feels like a hail a hail mary attempt by the NHL to revive this thing that. It, it does feel like it's
2: dying, absolutely. And I'm going to tell you guys what. I've been to, and, and Eric might understand what I'm saying, I've been to a lot of Hawks Blues games, and I've been to a lot of the Cubs Cardinals games in my life. And this is not going to equate to what people want it to like, equate to. Like, It's going to be a subpar game. People yeah. will go. But like for me, as a hawk, like. Like I don't want to go sit at Wrigley Field in fucking shitty weather but the day after New and everybody's hungover and you're to watch you're, two what's up?
0: That, well, I was gonna say like I I agree with you that but you're not you're not the market that they're you're not the demographic they're searching after. They know they've got you. You're a you're a hockey fan, as is everyone else here. What they're trying to get after is more of the casual eyes, and the belief is that the casual eyes will turn on for Connor Bedard.
2: But are you talking yeah, about TV, want...
0: or TV, TV or TV or the game? Okay. like they're going to sell out that stadium. Th- that's not. I don't even, think. I don't think I don't yeah, think I was going to
3: say I don't think a Winter Classic hasn't sold out.
0: Yeah, like, no. that's I mean, and that's like, not and TV, that's not where the money like, is.
2: They don't care. Like college football is going to dominate them. That's why they move it the day after or whatever. But yeah. like it's like look Wrigley field is really cool to see in person but like it doesn't look like that when you're going to watch hockey especially on TV like who yeah. cares about this game
0: yeah well well I guess I guess we're, we're gonna find out um I again I'm way- sorry I hope I'm wrong because I hope the Hawks have butt kickers next
2: year yeah. But yeah. this seems this seems like a premature move
0: yeah I well yeah. Definitely, and but but it's. I want
2: to throw one more thing out there. I remember talking about the 09 Wonder Classic the year before when it got announced at the U.C. with people, and it felt like right. You know what I mean? Like 0708 Hawks. Like it felt like yeah, they they should be in that game.
0: Yeah, well, that's it's the that's because as uh, back to a conversation we were talking about earlier, this, the calculations are different now. It's not necessarily yeah. about. I'm sorry I'm not like trying to it. compare
2: it to that too no, much but it just it just feels premature to me that's all yeah uh,
0: by the way uh really quick I forgot to finish the sentence uh Calumet bakery in Lansing uh in the south suburbs go get yourself a poonski on poonski day but get there early because the line will be crazy uh, to finish well up, I just to finish the up the food take, take twenty five minutes ago i t- <laughs> I killed
2: the entire food take with the uh oh nine one classic yeah. My bad
0: well uh Oh, and now, Mel, I'm going to kill the whole podcast. <laughs> so, so I think that's going to do it. Or well, I, I should say the episode, not the whole podcast. Um, but I think we could wrap this up now. I, th- I think we've gotten it all out. We take one week off and then this is what happens to us. So I guess we got to do our, our more weekly things. Um, But that's going to do it for this episode of Musings on Madison. Uh, Thanks to Mill and Betsy and Eric for hanging out this evening. Thanks to you for listening. Keep an eye on the website. We'll be humming along for the rest of the season with all of our usual stuff, and that will include a podcast next week, and we'll be back and talk to you then for that.
1: But I guess that it comes with a territory, anomalous ominous landscape of never-ending calamity. I need you to hear, I need you to see. But I have had I can take—an exploding scene, taking even possibility.